And a very good morning once again. It's my privilege as always to open up the Word of God and to share some exciting truths from therein. We've been looking the last few weeks at some Bible narratives. I don't like calling them stories because they are historical stories. Let's just call them narratives. And last week we looked at Noah. Today we'll be looking at the Tower of Babel, that uh, incredible story where God confused all the languages of the world and spread people over the face of the earth. So we know what happened after the flood and how people kind of got scattered all over the place. But just to remind you where we left off with Noah, Every living creature had been wiped out. Only eight of them were saved in the ark. And then chapter 9, verse 1, God blessed Noah and his sons, the Bible says, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And then he gave the rainbow as a sign, remember. Noah plants a vineyard. He has too much to drink of that wine. And uh, we find him drunk in his tent Ham, his one son, goes in, sees his father's nakedness, comes out, tells his brothers, and then his brothers very respectfully walk in backwards to cover him. Noah wakes up, hears what happens, and curses the son of Ham, Canaan, to be a slave. But he blesses Shem and Japheth. And then he goes on to live until 950 years old. Then we move into chapter 10, and chapter 10 tells us where everybody went. But let's not get confused because chapter 10 is really uh, out of order, if you like. Chronologically, it, it should actually fit in after chapter 11. But just for the sake of understanding what happened to people afterwards, I believe Moses wrote down chapter 10 where he did, or in that, sort, in that order. So it's not that chapter 10 is uh, incorrectly written, and I'll explain why just now. But let's read chapter 11 before you really get confused and I confuse myself. Chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Let me tell you what I was waffling about just now. Uh, in chapter 10 you will read things like, uh, for example, verse 32, from these the nations spread out over the earth after the flood. Uh, they had been uh, brought together according to their clans and languages in their territories and nations. In other words, it almost looks like chapter 10 and chapter 11 contradict each other. But as I said, they don't. Chronologically, chapter 11 actually should come before chapter 10. Anyway, let's keep going. They said to each other, as the men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar, settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. Isn't that amazing? This tower must have been really puny if God had to come down to see it. <laughs> the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. And that's really in, in terms of negativity and evil and and horrible stuff. You know, when people get together, when mobs start ruling, things start going wrong. Verse 7, 
God says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building uh, the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Okay, so here we see Moses in chapter 10 basically giving us an overview. And then chapter de- in chapter 11 begins to fill in the detail. So here we have the people in China, the city, uh, deciding to build a tower. It's one of the cities in Babylon founded by uh, Babylon, yeah, Babylon founded by Nimrod. Now Nimrod's got a story in and of himself, and I'd love to share that with you one day, but not for today. Somewhere in ancient Mesopotamia, on the eastern banks of the Euphrates River, in modern-day Iraq, that's where you would have found the city being built. Scholars believe that the type of tower was a stepped pyramid called a ziggurat, and these ziggurats were pretty common throughout. Uh, Babylonia. And at the top of these stepped pyramids, they they would normally have a a temple or a worship area. So what's wrong with people building a tower? What are are these people in essence doing wrong? Is there something wrong with man's power? Perhaps of creativity? Obviously not. God is the creative creator of all things. Being made in his likeness, it's only natural that we should have an urge to create and to build, if you like, to, to uh, develop our environment. And then, on the other hand, perhaps there's something wrong with building a tall tower, even the tallest tower in the world. But again, is there something wrong with the pursuit of excellence? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus said, Therefore be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I think if we're not striving to be better in all spheres of our beings, then we're kind of missing the plot, especially if we're not striving under His grace, obviously, to become better human beings. So what was the problem? What caused God to confuse their speech and to spread them across the earth? I think the answer is quite obvious. It's found in verse 4. And it says, so that... We may make a name for ourselves. They wanted to build the tower so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, the problem was, and still is, that they weren't just making a name for themselves. They were actually saying that they rejected the name or the identity that God had given them. God is the giver of life because we come from Him and belong to Him, then only by being in Him can we escape the curse of sin and really become what He wants us to be. But man doesn't like the name or identity God has given to him. Man rebels against that nature that God wants him to have. We don't want to be his obedient servant of love. We don't want to have to answer to him. We want to rule ourselves and not obey some invisible God somewhere. So we change our identity and begin to make a name for ourselves. We are convinced in our own heart and mind that the name or nature that we give ourselves will be better than the one God gives us. We are even convinced that our power to make up our own mind 
without interference from God, will make us better than God could make us. See, mankind will never be satisfied until he feels that he is superior to not only God, but to every other person on the planet. Think about past dictators and even current ones. I mean, immediately think, we think of thing, people like Hitler and Stalin and Mugabe and Mao Zedong. And, you know, we can go on and on with people's names. But even today, currently, there are very obvious dictators operating in several countries across, across the globe. People who want to be better than, superior to, and in command of every, every other person. Their way is the only way, and they intend to get their way. But it starts young, doesn't it? Think about toddlers exerting their wills over other toddlers. People, children, little children in a playground, you will quickly pick up those who want to dominate other people. Then we think about power struggles within politics, within the corporate world, and to our shame and disgrace, the struggles, power struggles within God's church. Nearly everyone on the face of the planet is trying his or her best to make a name for him or herself. Still trying to build that Tower of Babel where the only genuine solution is to be found in someone who didn't have to make a name for himself. Instead, he honored the name which his father gave him and he has been given a name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. He taught us and demonstrated to us that if anybody wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Friends, that's Babel on its head. That's exactly opposite to what the people were doing at that time in the city of Shinar. The day of Pentecost, in effect, is the start of a new tower, a different tower, a tower that grows down, if you like. In Jesus Christ alone and through the power of His Spirit alone, we realize that we don't have to make a name for ourselves. Because of the cross, we can now glorify God once again and be proud of the name, aspire to the name and identity in Him. That he has given to us. Babel, the word Babel in the Akkadian language comes from two words meaning gate and God, gate of God. So it was the gate of God. In Hebrew, it came to mean confusion. But originally, it was the gate of God. The Tower of Babel was man's greatest defiance, you see, against God's authority. Man came intending to make his own gate into the realms of the heavens. But at the cross, God met our greatest defiance and by His grace made it the true gate whereby we can have access to Him. At the cross, the gate of God, we are made into a new creation where we can once again hear each other, offer forgiveness freely, understanding each other, cherishing one another, finding togetherness and unity in Him. All because we are no longer desperate to make a name for ourselves. Mankind in his pride attempted to make himself better than God at the Tower of Babel. But God in his infinite love and mercy for fallen man 
gave us the way back to him. Friends, the only name I want to know now is the name of Jesus. Anyway, that by introduction. I've got three little thoughts that I want to share with you this morning. Three lessons that we can learn from Babel. And maybe some of them I've alluded to already. But lesson number one. Without God, there is no heaven. Without God, heaven doesn't exist. See, nowhere in our reading does it mention that people were trying to get to God. It doesn't even mention God. The tower would reach the heavens, not God. See, the heaven is there of its own making, a godless heaven. And a heaven without God is no heaven at all. We can fly as high as we like. Without God, it's worth nothing. And I want to say to you today, whatever your heaven is, make sure God is there. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. You can gain the world by building the tallest tower, but if God is not there at the center of your building, you have nothing. I don't know what your heaven might be today. Maybe your heaven is a new house. Maybe your heaven is a new spouse. Let's not ruin this. Maybe your heaven is a new mouse. <laughs> or grouse. <laughs> I don't know what your heaven is today. Maybe it's that car or that home improvement that you're busy with or that, I don't know, that extra degree you're wanting to earn or that dream job. I don't know what your heaven is. But friends, if your heaven doesn't contain God, if God is not in the center of your heaven, there is no heaven. Quite simply, without God, you don't have a heaven. So whatever it is that you're chasing, like those people in the city of Shina, whatever it is that you're chasing, whatever is becoming your Tower of Babel, beware, because that thing's going to take you down. It's going to get you confused. It's going to place you, take, put you into a place where you don't understand what's happening anymore. That's what happened at Babel. Because people were trying to get to a Heaven without God. Be careful. Lesson number two. The only name we should ever want. The only name on our lips should not be our own. The only name we should want is not our own name. See, the quest for our name for ourselves is a quest for identity, for belonging, for trust. It can also even be a quest for Adoration, fame, popularity. Adam and Eve did not trust their identity in God. They wanted to be like a God. They did not trust that God had their best interests in mind. And they sought their own best. In effect, they, they became gods for themselves. Just as in Babel. The amazing irony about Sinai is that the theologians, many of them, actually believe that this place was the same location as the Garden of Eden, <laughs> where Adam and Eve sought greatness for themselves. What does the Bible teach us about greatness? Well, Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 says, At the name of Jesus. That's greatness. At the name of Jesus. That's identity. 
At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, a focus on our own self-importance will lead to our own demise. It's going to take us also into confusion. It's going to take us also into a place of scattering when we are so busy trying to uplift ourselves and our own names and our own sense of self-importance. There is only one name we should be concerned with and it's not our own. Get rid of your titles. Get rid of your desperation to try and become popular or famous or important or better than. It's nothing other than a Tower of Babel and it's going to take you down. There is only one name that we should be concerned with. You can call me anything you like. I tell the church often, my name is Paul. It can be whatever you want to be. It doesn't matter. There's only one name I want to be concerned with and that's the name of Jesus. Remember that story one day the disciples were with Jesus and they say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Listen carefully to this. Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Do you know what he says? Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father. Not Black Lives Matter Father, or White Lives Matter Father, or Pink Lives Matter Father, or Crab's Life Matter Father, or anything else but our Father. There is no individuality here. He is our Father. From one man, He made every man alive on this planet today. It's got nothing to do with colors or, or races or ethnic groups. It's got nothing to do with anything like that. And if you're a believer, my friend, you can have nothing to do with that. You only have one name on your lips. There's only one name that you're seeking to bow the knee to. There's only one name that you're wanting to glorify, and His name is Jesus. So Jesus carries on teaching. He says, Our Father who art in heaven. And what is the next thing he says? Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. There's only one name that counts. Friends, only one name we should want. It's not our own. It's his name. Oh, if only we would come to understand what, 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 the, what the apostles meant when he said, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. It's no longer I that lives means I'm dead. You can insult me, you can ridicule me, you can tease me, you can, you can malign me, you can do what you like. It doesn't matter. It's no longer I that lives. My name means squat. The only name that means anything is the name that has been given to men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. And I remind you again, there is no other name by which we must be saved. Not, not Hare Krishna, not Buddha, not Bishop, anybody. There is no other name 
by which we must, might be saved, except the name that has been given to us that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. And the last little lesson this morning is that unity without God is actually futile. Unity without God is actually futile. See, the people of Bad Babel sought security and comfort in their unity. In verse 4 it says, uh, towards the end of the verse, not to be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So they wanted to build a tower, make a name for themselves. Why? So they would not be scattered over the face of the earth. There was safety in numbers. That seemed to be their motto. Instead of seeking unity, security, comfort with and in their Creator and worshipping Him, they sought unity with each other instead. In essence, the people of Babel began to worship one another. They were worshipping the creation. They were worshipping at the altar of humanity instead of worshipping the Creator. Romans chapter 1 verse 25 says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. See friends, when our unity, and I put it in inverted commas, when our unity becomes our security, our unity becomes our God. What is unity? Well, often in the church complex, com- context, unity means this little group is against that little group. Or this person gets that person and that person and that person, and together they form a bond, and then eventually something bad happens. I mean, I see it over and over and over again in churches. Somebody doesn't like the pastor, and they go and get somebody else, and they go and get somebody else, and before long it's this group in unity against that group or whatever the case is. Our unity becomes our God when it is without God. When people and relationships become our comfort or even our identity, we're in danger of building a tower, a tower of Babel. Unity without connection to God is a unity that's just not worth having. May I remind you what James chapter 4 says in verse 4, you adulterous people, Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? Unity, friends, without God is futile and it will invite judgment. Let me summarize these three little points for you this morning. See, the confusion of Babel is not over. The scattering of Babel is not over. The desperate plight of people to make a name for themselves is not over. We are still tempted to seek heaven on our own terms. And I remind you that a heaven without God is no heaven at all. If you're looking for a heaven on earth, if you're looking for a a paradise, uh, an ideal situation, a bigger salary, whatever it is, it's, it's no heaven at all. Heaven without the God of the universe is no heaven. And it's going to lead you to confusion and it's going to lead you to being scattered all over the place. Babel's confusion is still not over, secondly, because we're still trying to make names for ourselves. 
We're still taking a knee to this person and taking a knee to that person and praising our pop stars and, and following our say yes to the dress or whatever it is, you know, these idols that we place up in front of us sometimes. <laughs> there is only one name we should be concerned about and it's not our own name. When we are struggling to take a name for ourselves, when I need somebody to look at me because I'm this color or I'm this nationality or I'm this so-called race and there's only one race by the, by the way and that's the human race. But if I'm this nation or that... Man, we miss the plot as believers. There is only one name that I need to be striving for. And if I strive for any other name, uh, that political party or that position of power, whatever it is, I'm telling you, friends, waiting in judgment, lying in judgment, lying in wait to bring judgment is a tower called Babel, and it's called confusion and being scattered. And lastly, the third bit that I mentioned was let's not seek security and comfort in unity apart from God. It's futile. If we're doing something outside of God, especially in the church, where we want to just karan karan here and skinner skinner there, and oh, come on, friends, there isn't time for this anymore. Jesus is coming soon. Let's get off this Tower of Babel, turn it upside down on its head, and jump into Pentecost again. Jump into the name that is above every other name. Jump into the unity that is brought about by the Spirit and make every effort to keep that unity uh, as we await His soon coming. In Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for these moments that we've had to look at the story. And thank you for teaching us the truths that have come out here this morning. Lord, I know there's probably lots more that we haven't spoken about. But I thank you for that which you have brought to our hearts this morning. And may we be found faithful in applying it and using it to the glory of your name and your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for joining with us again this morning. And God willing, we'll be talking about the call of Abram next week. So it'll be great to see you again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.